welcome back to another Beach Cop Detectives interview with the writers, cast, and crew of Terriers. This time out, we're talking to Alex Berg, actor and comedian, who played Blodgett of Blodgett, Swift, and Gunt, the lone gunman to Hank and Britt. In this interview, we talk about where those character names came from, a couple of his favorite episodes, and the secret link between Terriers and Upright Citizens Brigade. So sit back and enjoy this interview with Alex Berg, a.k.a. Blodgett, on Terriers. I am speaking today with Alex Berg, a comedian and actor who played Blodgett of Blodgett, Swift, and Gunt on Terriers. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing, Randy? I'm doing great today. I want to start with a question. That I start with this question for pretty much everyone or some variation on it, which is six years down the road, uh, what are your feelings and memories about Terriers? Oh, uh, immensely positive in every way. It's a very rare thing for an improviser to get to be involved in a truly fantastic hour-long prestige drama, regardless of how far under the radar it flew. And although uh, my contributions have, I would argue, zero to do with what made Terriers so great, it's uh, still a very cool uh, feather in my hat to have so many years away. So let's talk about how Blodgett, Swift, and Gunt appeared, because I know from talking to Ted Griffin that three of you were an improv group and are an improv group called Convoy. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that, that was correct and is still correct. And how did you guys get involved in the show? So if memory serves correctly, Ted was taking an improv class at UCB Los Angeles, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater Los Angeles, and his instructor had brought him to a show of ours. Will McLaughlin, who shows up, I believe, in the wedding episode, was Ted's instructor at the time. So Ted had come to an improv show that we were doing, and we wound up getting drinks with him afterwards, not having any idea that he was a screenwriter or was working on a TV show, just knowing him as a friend of a friend. And maybe like three days later or, or not even a week later, we got an email from his assistant at FX saying, hey, uh, do you guys want to come down to the lot? and watch a pilot that, that Ted Griffin had worked on. And they may not have even said Ted's name, or if they did, we may not have even been able to put it together. I remember that all three of us were very confused uh, about why we were going out to the Fox lot. But so we drove out to the Fox lot, and we went into you know the, the Terriers production office there, and they put us into a room and just put on the Terriers pilot. And like, we didn't see Ted. We only spoke to an assistant, and they just sat us in this room to watch the pilot. And once the pilot was done, Ted materialized like from behind like a secret bookcase or something, and was like, "What'd you guys think?" And we were like, "That was great. That was. Re- I mean, it was. It's a great pilot. You know, you know. So it wasn't even like we had to lie or anything. We we're like, that was really great. Uh, and Ted goes, "Well, do you want to be on the show?" And we were like, "Yeah, sure." And he goes, "Okay, I'll, I'll write you a part." And that was that was how that happened. You know, and when Ted wrote the original parts for for Blodgett, Swift and Gunt, he had just written them out as Berg, Fernie and Fasten, the character names. And, you know, we had been told by him and and by the people who handled the legal bullshit and all that, that we were going to have the roles. And then uh, after a little bit of that, I got an email from a friend of mine saying she had seen a casting breakdown for a character named Berg in a scene with characters named Fernie and Fasten casting out of San Diego. And we were like, that's that's really weird. And so we called around and it turned out that to satisfy some kind of, you know, union thing, the casting office in San Diego still had to audition people for these roles. And we had to turn in video auditions. And so there's tapes of the three of us going like, hi, I'm Alex Berg reading for the role of Berg. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
that we had to send into this casting office. And the the copy for the audition was that first scene where we show up in the RV and we're I think we're bitching about philosophy or something like that, that Ted had written knowing the dynamic the three of us had and that we were all just true nerds, you know, and I, I would love I would love to see the tapes someday of the other actors who had to read that copy and try to make sense of it, not not knowing the full context. <laughs> I always thought of you guys as like the RV crew. Did you have an official name on the show? Or was it was just Blodgett, Swift and Gunt. I think we were just Blodgett, Swift and Gunt. But, you know, unofficially, we were always kind of the lone gunman. Yeah. You know, it, it was the idea was very much that we were to the guys as the lone gunman were to the X-Files that we would kind of be a little bit of comic relief and a little bit of deus ex machina. And I remember very clearly the first time we saw an episode of Terriers that wasn't the pilot, what a jarring experience it was because all of our scenes were fun. You know, I remember we were shooting, I think it's the second episode that we were in where there's the kid who lost his memory because he was taking like anti-malarial drugs or something like that. And we had been shooting out uh, on the beach all day and we'd been hanging out with Donal and, uh, and, and Michael Raymond James and it was just like a fun, like kind of goofy scene to shoot. And we had read this, you know, the script for the episode. But then during the lunch break, they screened the episode where the banker jumps to his death at the end of it for everybody. And the three of us were watching it going like, oh, holy shit. Like we had no idea like how grim this show was going to be in places, uh, <laughs> you know, because all of our scenes had been. You know, the three of us, you know, bitching at each other and, and doing bits and stuff. And, and so it all it just recontextualized what we were doing in a way that that made us kind of better appreciate what the show was and gave us a deeper appreciation for what our role in it was. Did you guys have anything to do with the with the writing or the characters as far as like, did you just have the script and you did it or was there any improv involved or was it just Ted getting your voice? How'd that work? Uh, it was partly Ted getting our voice. You know, for the very first episode, Ted actually let us take a crack on our scene. For the first episode that we were in, Ted had sent us his draft of the RV scene and had said, hey, this is just the general beats, like just just make it sound like you. And so we took a pass on that. And then after that, I don't recall, I think it was mostly just Ted getting our, our voice down. But we, uh, we were very directly involved in naming the characters, which is, I think, one of my favorite pranks I'll ever be a part of. Ted had uh, Ted had originally just left the characters named uh, Berg, Fernie, and Fasten, and maybe a week or two weeks before we went down to San Diego to shoot the first episode we were in, Ted had texted me and was like, "Hey, you know, do you mind if we if we leave the characters Berg, Fernie, and Fasten?" And I, I was in the car with Alex Fernie at the time. We were driving back from doing a comedy show in San Diego, and I was like, "What do you think?" And he's like, "No, I don't want it to be our character names. It's, you know, it feels limiting." And so I wrote Ted back. I was like, no, we don't want it to be our names. Just, you know, whatever you choose is fine. And Ted texts us back and goes like, no, nah, you guys choose the name. Whatever you choose is fine. And so all of a sudden, Alex Fernie and I are in a car for two hours with nothing to do uh, but to think of what our character names would be and what name we could possibly give to Todd's character since he had zero input on it. That would be the funniest possible name. Um, and so we settled on Blodgett, Swift and Gunt. And Blodgett, Blodgett and Swift are names of buildings from our college campus. Uh, Blodgett was the psychology majors um, building on Vassar campus and Swift was the history majors building. And Gunt was the ugliest word we could think of. <laughs> and 
we we sent these names to Ted and, and Fernie and I were both like, there's no way he's going to go for this. You know, Gunt is basically cunt and there's no way even if Ted goes for it, FX will let it slide. Um, but they did. And <laughs> Todd had no idea that we had even been consulted on what our character names would be until we showed up to set on the first day and some PA was showing us to our trailers. And my trailer says, uh, you know, Alex Berg, Blodgett. And Fernie's trailer says Alex Fernie, Swift. And Todd's trailer t- says Todd Fasten, Gunt. And so Todd's looking at the three trailers and he like he recognizes the building names. And he's like, what? What is Gunt? And Fernie and I start going like, oh, yeah, there was a Gunt Hall on Vassar campus. I'm pretty sure it was over by the old laundry building. And Todd's going, I don't remember a Gunt Hall. You know, and finally, like the two of us were just dying so much we had to explain it to him. But that's how that's how Blodgett, Swift and Gunt came to be. And the fact that we got a character named Gunt on FX is is so funny to me. It's, uh, you promised me that story on Twitter, and I have to say it lived up to the hype. That's great. It's uh, it's my favorite my favorite prank I'll ever be a part of. So you guys were fairly important to the Montague plot uh, at the end of the show. Did you did you know when when you came aboard that you were going to be that that big, or was it? You were just like, oh, we're going to be in some episodes. No, it was just we're going to be in some episodes. You know, I think we were in four episodes total. And as the series went on, we never really knew when the next episode was going to be. We never knew how many episodes we were going to be in. The episode during the wedding where we're there with Donal the whole time, I don't think we even realized. Or I can only speak for myself and I'm kind of an idiot, but I certainly didn't put it together how central we would be to that. Because even though we were shooting a lot more pages than we normally did, you know, normally we'd have one scene and then we'd go home. Um, And for that episode, we stayed overnight and we shot a couple of days. Even though we were shooting that much, I think because it was mostly in one location, it never occurred to me that we would be over the entire episode that way. You know, so I I never really personally had any clue how important the guys were to everything. I was always so just happy to be down in San Diego for another episode and you know, especially at the time, like just having like a trailer and getting craft services was a really big deal. And, you know, <laughs> so I, I never I never really put it together. And there's one of the things I like so much about the show is when you get to the end. of I, I can I assume everyone who's listening to this has watched the show, right? Like I can spoil stuff. Is that kosher? on the interviews? I go full spoiler. Yes. OK. All right. So, you know, at the end of this uh, series, when Donal gets accused of murder and they go through and they list all the things he's done over the course of the show. And, you know, you staked out this hotel, you use this guy's credit cards and that sort of stuff. Like, you know, that's kind of a twist on a big picture thing that we never had any idea on. You know, we never knew we never knew what was going on in a grander sense for the show beyond our scenes and our episodes. And so one of the fun things about being involved with the show was a getting to go down and shoot and all that stuff but also not being so involved that we couldn't still be surprised by stuff that happened as it played out. And that was a very, very cool angle to have on it, I think. So I want to ask General General Terrier's question. Do you have a favorite episode or favorite characters from the show? I think the guys who played Blodgett, Swift, and Gunt were really charismatic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also credit them for the the fact that nobody watched the show and it got canceled prematurely. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, I think my favorite episode is probably... I think it's Fuster Cluck, but the one where they basically get a guy killed at the end of it and he winds up dying in a bathtub while, you know, Karina Logue sits and nurses him. And because I remember watching that episode and that was one of those episode endings that you watch where you're just like, oh, 
holy shit. And I think that's the same episode where they conduct the heist to break into his office. Um, that's like a small scale Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, so that episode I thought was really fantastic. Um, and I thought the finale was also really, really fantastic. Uh, those, those are the two episodes I always go back to in my mind. Like, you know, I feel like it's like a once every three years at this point, like, you know, either Alan Seppenwall or Onion AV Club will bring Terriers back up and go like, gosh, this was a good show. (laughs) And those are those are always the episodes in my mind that I think you could hold up against any of the other, uh, you know, major dramas that wound up getting five seasons or seven seasons and say like this. This show was doing this in its first season. It could have done so much more had it gone on. But also, I kind of like that it's only one season. It makes it a little bit of like a special. It's like a band that only had like one good album and the people who know it love it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally the same. Yeah, same feeling here. And I mean, I love Terrors. Obviously, I'm doing a podcast all about it. And yet there is there is a part of me that's like, you know what? That one perfect season, there's something to be said. There was never a bad episode. There was never a, a downturn. You're like, oh, I hated the season where uh, where Hank started uh, murdering hookers. Yeah, yeah. It, it never had time to get bloated. You know, like there yeah. is no... Like, I remember watching through The Wire and getting to the fifth season and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, or, or I just uh, I just watched through Deadwood for the first time. And like the last six episodes of Deadwood, you're just going like, what is why are we at amateur theater night? What's happening? <laughs> you know, and uh, I Terriers never got to that moment, which I think kind of makes it as special as as bittersweet as it is that it couldn't have gone on for longer. Well, you've worked in a lot of sketch comedy, a lot of a lot of my comedy favorites. You, you're at UCB. You've worked with Key and Peele. You're on Earwolf. Can you talk a little about your sketch comedy and where folks can find you now? Oh, sure. Um, I, if you're in Los Angeles, I do shows at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater twice a week with the other guys, uh, myself, Alex Fernie, and Todd Basson, the original Blodgett, Swift, and Gunt crew have a show every Thursday at 11 o'clock called Convoy. It's totally improvised. And then the three of us play with another group on Saturdays at 7 with a group called Sentimental Lady that's also completely improvised. On the internet, I, I show up randomly uh, here and there. I think the, probably the biggest thing I've been working on lately is I just finished earlier this year a military history of Westeros done in the style of hardcore history called Hardcore Game of Thrones, which is a 19-hour-long podcast about a very detailed, grainy look at the history of a fictional place. <laughs> um, you know, and that's that's taken up a lot of focus. And I've got some other stuff in the pipeline that I I, I think it's fine for me to talk about, but I'm not certain, so I I, I don't want to bring it up. But um, but yeah, so those are the things, you know. And then if you go through my IMDb page, I'm sure you'll find a litany of funnier die videos or random YouTube sketches and that sort of stuff where I pop up as well. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me about this today. I, uh, I appreciate it. And thank you for your part in Terriers. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much, man, for uh, keeping the flame burning. Beach Cop Detectives, an independently run podcast co-produced by Randy Lander and Grant Davis from the TV Dudes and part of the Permanent Record Network. Music for this series includes the surf music tracks Happy and Whimsical by Paul Tayan. To hear more of his work, go to soundcloud.com slash Paul Tayan. Artwork for the show is by Nate Bliss. You can find him at n8bliss-art.tumblr.com. You can like us on Facebook at Beach Cop Detectives and on Twitter at Beach Cop Podcast. You can hear weekly TV commentary by Randy and Grant at the TVDudes.com. Thanks for listening.